What's up, Lift Church? Hey, it's great to be with you second week in a row. And once again, just so thankful to be part of this, be part of the journey that we're on together. Uh, I was at Lift Church a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we just was so thankful to be able to worship with you. And honestly, over the last week, uh, I've been making several phone calls uh, to some of you. And, and I just want you to know that, that I am praying for you. Uh, I am praying for Rochester. I, I know that some of you in my phone conversations with you, some of you, you're working at the Mayo Clinic. Uh, I was actually talking to Adam Logeman this week, and he was saying that, that he's, uh, I don't know what the right word, but he was like greeting people as they were walking in, as they were possibly getting tested for COVID-19. And he was just saying like people were coughing on him. And, and I just want to say, man, I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for strong health. Uh, I'm praying for God to show his peace and give his peace in the midst of this time as we've never faced a pandemic like this, at least in our generation. And I also want to keep encouraging you, Lift Church, please continue to go on this 20-day, 21-day journey of prayer and fasting. I cannot tell you how important it is that we continue to journal the journey as we go on this 21-day fast, looking towards the cross, looking at the resurrection, and praising God for who he is and, and what he's doing. And, and Lift Church, I, I just want to push pause, and, and I just want to say thank you to Brent and Jen Thomas. I mean, they have been your worship leaders since the beginning. I was talking to Brent uh, just this week, and, and he was saying that the first time that he led worship at a lift church was just him and a guitar and, and just leading out in worship. And um, I'm just so thankful for the nine years that Brent and Jen have been given to lift church um, from, from a pastor myself. Uh, I, I can't tell you enough, Brent and Jen, the sacrifice, uh, the service, the love that you have showed Lift Church. God is so pleased with you. He's so pleased with you. And, and, and people of Lift Church, I think it would be so cool uh, if over the next couple of weeks that you're able to bless them in some way. I know one of the things that just has been a struggle with this whole coronavirus is, is, is living in like isolation and it just breaks my heart that we weren't able to all come together just to thank Brent and Jen for their incredible ministry here at Lift Church. So please, make sure that you drop a note, uh, say a letter, honestly, drop a gift to them. Uh, I'm sure that would be tremendously helpful uh, to them. But I could not go any further without saying just a huge thank you uh, to Brent and, and Jen and, and their ministry. And this morning, uh, as we're all going through COVID-19, as we face that pandemic, as well as what we're going through uh, as a church, I, I thought it was important for us actually to push pause on the current series that we're doing and go to a text, go to this passage of scripture that God really laid on my heart for you, honestly, for anyone listening in online, like this, is, this passage is for us. This message is for us. So open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. A couple months ago, I was uh, coming home from the office. It was rush hour. It was 5 p.m. It was a beautiful day. 
Uh, and I was, but I was just ready to be home. It was like a tough day at, at, at the church and, and just ready to get home. And, and I, was on a, I was driving on a four-lane road, so, so two lanes heading south, two lanes uh, going north. I was in the left-hand lane uh, heading south. And, and we all know this, right? When you're in the left-hand turn lane, you got to go a little bit faster. I mean, that's a total pet peeve of mine. I can't stand people who are driving in the left-hand lane, and they're going slower than the people in the right-hand lane. Well, that was my truth. That was what was happening that day. I'm in the left-hand lane. The, the anxiety is beginning to uh, kind of you know, rise up in me, and, uh, and all of a sudden, we come to this intersection and, and as we come to the intersection, there, there's a left-hand turn lane that opens up on my left-hand side. Now, the person who's going incredibly slow in the left-hand turn lane stays in the left lane. They don't go into the left-hand turn lane, but they stay in the left lane. And as they approach the intersection, they begin to stop. They begin to break. And this is at a light that you gotta make. You know what I'm talking about? It's like one of those lights you don't, like you gotta make when it's green, you go. And so sure enough, the person behind them slams on their brake. I'm behind that person. I slam on my brake. I look in my rear view mirror wondering what in the world the guy is gonna happen to me behind me. As I'm braking, I see this left-hand turn lane and a way to kind of exit out of this potential accident. The problem is, as I go into this left-hand turn lane, a car flies by me, and yes, it's true, impact happens, metal on metal, fiberglass on fiberglass, whatever cars are made of today, the impact happens, and then the moment, the pause, and we've all experienced this. It's, it's, it's that moment when it, typically, I'm looking at an accident. I'm not part of the accident, but it's the moment when you're looking at an accident and, and you're like, ooh, what car hit what car and what kind of car is it? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. And, and so that was the moment. I hit this car and I'm going, oh, Lord, like, please let it be a Chevy Aveo. You know, like, let it be that Ford Focus, maybe a Toyota Camry. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like all right. Maybe a BMW. Not true. None of those cars. Yes. The car that the song is sung about. This car that goes 185. I hit a Maserati. It's true. My heart broke. Like as soon as I realized that, like I couldn't tell you how much, like it's like, oh. Let me just fast forward a little bit for you. Everyone was okay, thankfully. We actually were able to kind of drive off into a parking lot. We're waiting for the cops. But I have to admit, as I'm just waiting for the cops, the moment begins to set in. The moment begins to set in that, that I just hit somebody. Like the moment just began to hit, like the financial numbers started adding up in, in my mind. And, and I reached for my phone, and I remembered that my phone... Uh, the week before, I actually jumped into water. And my phone was no longer working, so I actually used the phone of the person that I hit. So I'm using her phone 
and I call up my wife, and I didn't know what I was going to experience. I didn't know what she was going to say. Um, if you know my driving, uh, I have a tendency to drive a little fast, a little close to other cars. My wife has warned me from time to time to not drive so, so close, but sure enough, I call her up, and honestly, tears just began to come down my eyes as I just thought about like what the cost was going to be and just thought about just the whole moment. And, uh, and, and I just said to her, uh, honey, I was, I was in an accident. And, uh, and, and I said, hey, no one was hurt, but the reality was it, it, was, it was my fault. And uh, as tears began to kind of come down my face, she, she said this to me. She said, I just want you to come home. I just want to give you a hug. Relationship. Presence. Relationships change things. They, they make really tough times a little better. It's one of the battles that we're fighting as we fight COVID ID, but relationships matter. I'll never forget the day that my wife said, I do, when I asked her to marry me and realized that we, we were going to be in this life together. When I think about families and, and the dynamic of families and the preciousness of those relationships and how we get through tough things together. When I think of the church and how often the church has come through for me in my life as I've faced different things. And, and then I think at the core of relationship is God himself. God loving us first. God promising us, I am with you to the very end. God's presence makes a difference. And we need God at this time. We need one another. As we face the pandemic of COVID-19, the difficulties that we're at as a church, we need to lean in on God. We need his presence like never before. And as we face the struggles that we are going through, we need God. We need to treasure him. And as we look at the message today, the challenge is this. Treasure God in all that you are and in all that you do. Treasure him. God desires to be what you value most. God desires to be the one that you were unwilling to trade. God desires to be the one you hang out with. God desires to be the, the, the one you were unwilling to let go of. God desires to be that first love and remain that first love. And as we face this challenge, the challenge of treasuring God in all that you are and in all that we do, there's three questions that I want you to ask yourselves today. Here's the first question. Is God your treasure? Is God your treasure? Is he the one that you long for, or is it what God can give you what you long for? Is God the end, or is God the means to an end? Let's get back to the text. Look at Exodus chapter 33. Let me just give you some context. The nation of Israel is on its way to the promised land. Moses has just gone up to the mountain, received the Ten Commandments from God, God, uh, Moses and Joshua are now coming down the mountain, and as they uh, approach where, where the nation of Israel, the Israelites are, 
all of a sudden they begin to hear the celebration. They begin to hear this worship. And as they come upon the scene, all of a sudden they see the nation of Israel worshiping other gods. They, they see them, uh, the, the Bible uses this word, they're, they're in the midst of revelry. They're, they're drinking, uh, they're eating, they're just celebrating, they're worshiping all these other gods. And as Moses approaches Aaron, who's one of the leaders of the nation of Israel, as, as Moses approaches Aaron, Moses is like, what in the world are you doing? Like, what is happening? Aaron comes up with like the worst excuse ever in history. I mean, I thought when I was a kid, I came up with terrible excuses to my mom and dad. Aaron comes up with like the worst excuse possible. He simply says, hey, yeah, we're like, we took some gold and jewelry and, and out of the fire came this golden calf. And, and Moses is like, what in the world is going on? And so you can imagine that as the nation of Israel began to worship other gods, as the nation of Israel were, you know, were, were was drinking and eating and, 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 and in revelry, Moses is angry, and, and most of all, God is angry. There's this righteous anger that God has, and that brings us into our text. Exodus 33, starting at verse 1, says this. So the Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, and the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. I mean, imagine this moment when God promises success in battle, success in claiming the promised land. That, 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 I mean, that's what... Moses is driving towards, that's what he's leading towards, that's what the nation of Israel is going for, is entering into this promised land. And just, just look at the text, I mean, think about this. Look at what Moses will get. Moses is still going to be able to be the leader. Moses, you're going to lead, lead the people. He, he's going to win wars. He'll be victorious. He's going to get the land. Like, he'll be in the promised land. He'll be in the land that the Lord promised. He, I mean, God's like, hey, man, I'll give you an angel. So, so, so there's going to be an angel that's going to be with, with Moses. And, and, and God's like, I'm, I'm going to promise you milk and honey, and you're going to have this abundant life. You'll be set. You know, your dreams, your passion, they're all going to come true. There's just one problem. Verse 3. God says, I just won't be with you. But you can have everything I promise. You can get it. You can take it. I'll provide it but I won't go with you. And in this moment, Moses has to make a decision of what is most important, of what matters most. What does he treasure? What do you treasure? What matters most to you? Is it success or God? Is it abundance or God? Is it comfort 
or God? Is it credibility or God? Think about your own life. I mean, I mean, what if God said to you, I'll give you the position that you want at your company. I'll give you the job that you've always wanted. I'll give you success at work. You're going to win the sales war. I'll give you your dream house, mortgage-free. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the spiritual, you know, the spiritual world. You know, I'm going to throw in an angel. I'll provide financially. You'll be set for life. I'll heal your child. I'll heal your cancer. I'll give your child that you've always wanted. I'll give, you, I'll give you a spouse that you want to marry. No more coronavirus. I will like fill in the blank. What if God said to you, said to me, like, I'll give you these things. I just won't be with you. I just won't go. And if you look at the text, because if I do go, I may destroy you. I mean, this... This forces us to ask that second question. It forces us to ask a deeper question. It forces us to ask ourselves this. Do you want God or what God can give you? I mean, church, do we want God or what God can give to us? There's this great book written by Sky Jathani called With. And he, and he gives us these four views of God. He actually gives five views. I'm going to talk about four views of God. This was so helpful for me as I began to think, do I want God or what God can give to me? The first view of God that we can look at is the genie. For some of you, some of you listen online, like maybe like it's the first time you're listening in. You know, for some of you, maybe you've, like you've had this view of God, like he's the genie. Uh, and, and it means we value stuff over God. Like, you know, we kind of rub a lamp, like God kind of comes out, hey, we get three wishes, we, we get a bunch of stuff. Like, hey, God, will you do this? Will you do this for me? Will you, you know, will you get me what I want? Like, all these kind of things. We begin to place stuff, we begin to value stuff over God. It's, it's like the, the little kid who's, who's like, mom and dad, like, just give me some ice cream, you know? Or, or the teenager, give, give me the keys. You know, we're longing for relationship as parents, but, but the kids just want something from us. I, mean, I don't know, my kids aren't like that, but I'm sure uh, yours certainly may be. I don't know. But anyway, but we want God's blessings. We want his gifts, but not really interested in God himself. Do we see God as a journey? Do you view God that way? Do, do you view God as a vending machine? This is another view we can have of God that we value method over God. I mean, think about it. Like We focus on the, the methods. We focus on the organizational principles. We focus on the systems rather than prayer, rather than the word of God, rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we don't leave much space for God because we're pursuing the right method. I mean, think about it, parents. I mean, how many of us are like, just give me the rule book for raising kids. Like, just give me the right method, God. Like, can you just give me the organizational principles so I can have perfection, right? Perfect kids, right? If God, the perfect marriage, like, like, Tell me the methods. Tell me exactly what I mean to do. And, and we, pursue, we start pursuing methods. We start pursuing principles rather than God. We treat God like a vending machine. Here's the third view. We can view God as our sidekick. We begin to value significance over God. And, and what I mean by this is, is we want to be in the driver's seat. We want God in the car with us. Just make sure you're in the passenger seat, God. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have the plan 
God, can you make sure my plan uh, works? You know, uh, we want to make sure people know who we are. We, we want to be on like on a mission and make sure we serve God and do all these things for God. We, we value like this significance. We begin to lift title. We begin to lift position. We begin to lift even mission over being with God. Some of us, that's where you are. And there's the fourth view. For some of us, I, I think a lot of us who uh, who grew up in like really conservative or fundamental homes, we, we can relate to this. We, we view God as a referee. We value rules over God. We're always looking for the right thing to do. Like we're looking for the rule book. We're, we're looking, even, even in the word of God, like we're looking for what is right, what is wrong. We become kind of judgmental ab- about these things and we begin to focus on the rules rather than the relationship that we have on God. And, and parents, this is just a, a, little, a, a little quote that, that, I, that, I've, that I've learned and I've kind of held on to. This is not from me. I don't, I don't know who said it, but I learned it this way. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. I mean, you're trying to raise kids, but this, certainly we can have this view of God. But rules without relationship always leads to rebellion. And, and here's the struggle with all these views of God, right? Do we, do, we, do we want God or do we want what God can give to us, right? Do we, do, do we want stuff over God? Do we want methods? Do we want significance? Do we want rules over God? And here's the problem. Stuff can be good. I mean, God, God doesn't mind us asking him for things. Methods are good. I mean, God has set up principles for us to follow significance is not a bad thing like to be on mission serving people to to live your life or like that's not a bad thing like that's i mean rules are helpful you know i mean despite my you know despite my bent speed limit signs are a good thing right but here's the problem in all four views in all of these views god of, of in all of these views of god there's a common theme and it's this god is seen as a means to an end. We see him as a genie, we want what he can get us, we want stuff. We see him as a vending machine, we want the methods. We see him as a sidekick, we want significance. We want referee, we want to see the rules. But God desires to be our one and only. But when God is our treasure, God is the end. When God is our treasure, God is the end. Do you want God or what God can give you? My father-in-law and I had this dream, and we talked a lot about hiking the Appalachian Trail. We, we talked about, you know, the adventure of it. We talked about facing, you know, snakes or, or bears or other wild animals. You know, we, we talked about the weather challenges. We, <clears throat> we talked about the dangerous times that we may face. We talked about like being uncomfortable by being in a tent. We, we talked about how awesome it will be like to finish the trail, to get to the end, to be on this mission together. But, but can I just tell you something? Like My heart, my desire for hiking the Appalachian Trail with my dad was just being with my dad. It was just being with it wasn't going to be about telling people how we finished the trail. It wasn't going to be about overcoming the challenges we would face. It, it wasn't about being, you know, kind of 
uh, using my father-in-law to be able to get on vacation because I know, I mean, my wife has to let me go on, on vacation with my father-in-law, right? Like, it wasn't about doing all, it was about being with my dad. And that's what our view of God should be in this journey of life. Is God our treasure? Is God a means to an end or our end? Let's look at the text. Let's, let's look at what Moses does in this instance. Let's, let's look at what Moses decides. And let's look at how Moses answers this question. Exodus chapter 33, looking at verse 4, it says this, When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. And verses 7 to 10 describe this incredible relationship that Moses had with God as Moses would meet with God in, in the tent uh, of uh, in, in the tent, but I want to read verse 11 uh, to you. Verse 11 says this, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Let's keep going into verse 12. So Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And I love what Moses says right here in verses 15 to 16. And he said, and Moses said to him, said to the Lord, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? When Moses is in the midst of this question, do you want God or what God can give you? Moses clearly says in verse 15, I want you, God. I want you. I want you to be my treasure. I want you to be the end. I don't want you to be a means to an end, but you're it. Go with us. Be with us. The promised land will be great. It'll mean success and victories and all those kinds of things, but I'm not going without you. Church, we need his presence. We need to have God be our treasure. We're his treasure. Is God your treasure? Do you want God or what God can give you? And I do know what you want. Because I know what I want. Selfishly, I want it all. I want the house. 
and God to be with me. I want dreams to come true, and I want God to be with me. You want a child, and you want God to be with you. You want to be cancer-free, and God to be with you. You want to never be concerned about money and God to be with you. You want to reconcile church and God to be with you. You want to flex, right? You want God to flex in your life and in the life of your church. I want the same. I want both. Yet as we look at scripture, as we look at the call of the follower of Jesus, as we look at the call of every Christian, often, Jesus asks people to leave something behind to follow him. He asks Peter to leave behind his family and his nets, like the way that he had provision to follow Jesus. He asks Matthew to leave the tax collection booth to follow Jesus. He, he, Jesus right, told the young rich ruler, hey, uh, give all your money away and follow me. And Jesus does the same for us. He says, are we willing to let go of everything to pursue after Jesus? And what if God said to you and to me, I'm not going to heal you. You're never going to be promoted in your job. You're not going to get your dream home. Your child is not going to be healthy. You will not be able to have a baby. Whatever the difficult coronavirus will continue to be. But what if God said, but I will be with you. Will you choose God or what he can do for you? Because both are not always an option. In fact, at times when we put stuff over God, it's idolatry. So here is how the Lord responded to Moses. Moses said, I don't want the, I want you, God. Here's how, here's how the Lord responds to Moses in Exodus 33, verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. God says, you know what, Moses? I'm in. I'm with you. I'm going. Church, God is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Every follower of Jesus, that is the promise that God has given to us. And can I give you a little insight into Moses' life and the end of Moses' life? Moses didn't get both. Moses didn't get the promised land and God. Moses, at the end of his life, was given, walked up on a Mount Nebo and was able to see the promised land, but he never got in. But this is what is clear in Scripture. At the end of his life and through his life, God never left the side of Moses. He was with him till the end, and forevermore. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10, says this about Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. 
And that brings us to that third question. Will you choose today to have God as your treasure? Will you choose today in the circumstance and whatever you're going through, will you choose today to have God as your treasure? The three questions. Is God your treasure? Do you want God or what God can give you? Will you choose today to have God as your treasure? And what I mean by that is will you value God more than stuff? Will you desire for God to be the one you're unwilling to trade? Will you desire, will you put God, be the one that you hang out with? Will you put God in this place that you're unwilling to let him go? Are you going to put God in this place of your first love? Make him, have him, be the one that you treasure. Because God treasures you. God treasures me. And if you're questioning that, if that's something that you question, we have to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. Remember that in God's incredible love for you and for me, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this place, to earth, to live, to to die on a cross. And by dying on the cross, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. The consequences of our sin was separation from God and death. And Jesus Christ came and died in our place so that we no longer had to be separated from God. But now there was a way that we could be with God. And when we believe and put our faith in what Jesus Christ has done, that he lived, that he died, that three days later he rose from the grave, when we put our faith in him, the word of God promises us this, that the Holy Spirit, that God himself comes in and dwells within us, and he promises us that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us will you believe will you make god your treasure today and for some of you listening for some of you listening for the first time this may be the first time you've heard this i want to encourage you to pray with me to have god become your treasure your first love the one that you value most john 1 12 says but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god And for some of you who are listening, maybe you've had other things come in the way. Maybe you've had other things become your treasure. And this morning, this today, today, make it your day to have God be your treasure again. Treasure God in all that you are, in all that you do, for he treasures you. If you desire that today, Pray with me. Pray this with me. Lord God, we thank you for all that you've done. And Lord, we believe, we trust that you came, that Jesus, you lived a life, that you died on that cross, that you rose from the grave. And right now I come before you and I confess that I've gone my own way, that I have sinned, that I've done my own things, that that I've been caught up 
in, in loving other things. I put other things first. But today, today I ask you to forgive me. I confess, I repent, I turn from those things today. And I turn to you, Jesus, for you to come into my life. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for the cross. We thank you and praise you for the resurrection. And Lord God, help me, help us to live our life all out for you every day. May we treasure you in every moment, in every minute, in every day. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening online. Have an awesome, awesome day.